And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 66. Yesterday in episode 65, we concluded in 1 Kings chapter 12. So we're going to start off in 1 Kings chapter 13. Uh, At the end of chapter 12 yesterday, we find that... um, uh, that Israel, the kingdom of Israel has now been divided uh, between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, Rehoboam is the king of Judah and uh, Benjamin, and then um, Jeroboam is the king of the northern kingdom of all the other tribes of Israel. And we see at the end of chapter 12 that Jeroboam has done some heinous things in the sight of the Lord. He has uh, conducted his own festivals, his own worship services, his own offerings. He's done his own thing um, uh, in order to dissuade the people of the northern kingdom from going back to Judah to worship. And so in in verse 1 of chapter 13, the word says, uh, a man of God... A man of God came, however, from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord of the Lord while Jeroboam was standing beside the altar to burn incense. And so, in other words, a man from the southern kingdom, from Judah, went to the northern kingdom uh, where Jeroboam was and standing behind or beside the altar burning incense. The man of God cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. So the man of God is crying out to the altar, 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 altar. This is what the Lord says. A son will be born to the house of David named Josiah. He will sacrifice on you the priests of the most of the priests of the high places who are burning incense on you. Human bones will be burned on you. And so, in other words, what this man is saying to the altar, he's cursing the altar, essentially, is saying that the priests of the high places, the priests of these pagan religions, following false gods and whatnot, the priests of these people burning offerings and incense uh, on the altar, it says, um, there will be people burned on this altar. These priests will burn on this altar. And so, in other words, the man of God is cursing the altar and by inference, cursing Jeroboam, you know, because of these uh, pagan practices that are going on. And then it says in verse four, when the king heard the message that the man of God had cried out against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar and said, arrest him. But the hand he stretched out against him withered and he could not pull it back to himself. So he sticks out, sticks out his hand, his hand withers, and then he can't do anything with it. And so I would imagine that Jeroboam is freaking out at this point. And then it says in verse 6, uh, the king responded to the man of God, plead for favor for the Lord, uh, to the Lord your God and pray for me so that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God pleaded for the favor of the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it had been at first. And so we see that Jeroboam's hand is now restored from being withered. And so you would think that this would be a momentous event in Jeroboam's life and it would change his direction. But we'll see later on that that wasn't the case. So it says in verse 11, now a certain old prophet was living in Bethel. His son came and told him all the deeds that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. So his son had witnessed what the man of God from Judah had done to the king. And so his son comes back and tells the old prophet, this is what happened. <laughs> and so the old prophet goes out there to meet the, um, the man of God from Judah. And he says, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he said. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat some food. In verse 16, uh, But he answered, I cannot go back with you. Uh, I cannot go back with you or accompany you. I will not eat food or drink water with you in this place. For a message came to me by the word of the Lord. You must not eat food or drink water there or go back by the way you came. 
And so the Lord told uh, the man of God uh, from Judah, this is what you're to do. Go there, you know, pronounce these curses essentially against the against the stones. And then uh, you're going to do this to, to, to King Jeroboam, but you're going to, you know, I'm going to re- have you restore his hand and whatnot. Do everything you hear me uh, tell you to do, but don't eat or drink and just go and come back. And then in verse 18, he said to him, the old prophet said to him, I am also a prophet like you. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat food and drink water. The old prophet deceived him. So the old prophet lied to the man of God uh, from Judah. Now, why would he do this? If he truly was a prophet, maybe he was just curious. He just wanted to know, you know, what had happened. When did the Lord tell you? Maybe he just maybe wanted fellowship with another prophet. Who knows? I don't know. But he lied uh, to the man of God from Judah. In verse 19, and the, and the man of God went back with him, ate food in his house, and drank water. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And the prophet cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. And so the word of the Lord came to the old prophet and he cried out, you know, and he had to speak this to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says, because you rebelled against the Lord's command and did not keep the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but you went back and ate food and drank water in the place that he said to you, do not eat food and do not drink water. Your corpse will never reach the grave of your fathers. Wow. And so the man of God from Judah you know, the Lord is telling him, look, you're doomed, man, because you didn't do what I said to. Now, this seems to be a little bit unfair because the, uh, the old prophet deceived him, lied to him. But what this highlights is that regardless of any, what anybody tells you, you have the choice. You have the power of decision. You can decide to do or to not do. It's on you. Today, we have so many people blaming other people for their plight. It's their fault. It's their fault. But you have the power of decision making. You make the decisions for you. And so, and you have to live with those consequences. And the man of God from Judah, even though the old prophet deceived him, the man of God from Judah was held accountable because he made the decision to go eat and drink. And so what happened, and he gets up after he eats and drinks and he leaves and, you know, he gets on his donkey and leaves, but he, he gets attacked by a lion and the lion kills him. And so he's dead. He never makes it back to Judah. And, um, and then the old prophet goes and retrieves him, and the old prophet tells his son that when I die, bury me next to this man. So I don't, I don't know what that's about, but, you know, it's just, again, it highlights uh, personal responsibility, in my opinion. We go on to verse 33, and it says, even after all this, even after this, Jeroboam did not repent of his evil way, but again made priests for the high places from the ranks of the people. And then it says, he ordained whoever so desired it. And so all you had to do is say, hey, hey, I want to be a priest of the high place. And Jeroboam said, okay, you desire it, you're a priest. Now, remember, the Israelites, uh, the only ones who could be priests were from the tribe of the Levites. And so, um, so there were rules with regard to that. But with Jeroboam, it didn't matter. You want to be a high priest? Okay, you can be a high priest of the high places. You want to be a priest of the high places? You can be a priest of the high places. Go ahead, do it. So again, he was just making up his own rules. <clears throat> In verse 34, this was the sin that caused the house of Jeroboam to be cut off and obliterated from the face of the earth. Again, because Jeroboam was just doing whatever he wanted to do, making up his own stuff. It was that sin that the Lord decided to obliterate the house of Jeroboam. 
And so we see in chapter 14, at that time, uh, Abijah, son of Jeroboam, became sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, Go disguise yourself so they won't know that you're come so they won't so that they won't know you're Jeroboam's wife and go to Shiloh. The prophet Ahijah uh, is there, and he is the one who told me about becoming the king over these people. And so he's going back to the prophet who prophesied that he would be king over Israel. And it says, He will tell you what will happen to the boy. We drop down to verse six, and uh, well, and so she goes, but uh, at that night or the night before she gets there, the Lord comes to the prophet and tells him that a woman is coming. She's going to be disguised, but she's Jeroboam's wife. And this is what you're to say. And so she approaches his house and he says, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you disguised? I have bad news for you. Go tell Jeroboam. This is what the Lord of God of Israel says. I raised you up from among the people, appointed you ruler over my people, Israel, tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you were not like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what is right in my sight. You behave more wickedly than all who were before you. You behave more wickedly than all who were before you. That that and we see we'll see that it gets worse, actually. <laughs> and so, so this is what is told of Jeroboam. And then in, in verse 10 it says, Because of all this, I'm about to bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I will wipe out all of Jeroboam's male, both, uh, males, both slave and free. Uh, I will sweep away the house of Jeroboam as one sweeps away dung until it is all gone. Dang! Verse 11. Anyone who belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds will eat. For the Lord has spoken. The Lord obviously is ticked, and so he's going to wipe out the house of Jeroboam. And then in verse 12, it says, um, uh, uh, the prophet told Jeroboam's wife, as for you, get up and go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the boy will die. And then it's in verse 13, this is interesting. It says, all Israel will mourn for him and bury him. He alone out of Jeroboam's house will be given a proper burial because out of the house of Jeroboam, something favorable to the Lord God of Israel was found in him. So the Lord God found something favorable in the boy that he is going to eliminate. I find that interesting because you would think that with our reasoning that if the Lord finds something favorable in him, he wants him to live and he's not going to want him to die. But the boy dies even though something favorable was found in him. And to me, uh, this is an indication of uh, how the Lord looks at life with regard to a physical life as we know it. You know, how he looks at life, a physical life as we know it. How he looks at life as we know it is different than how we look at life. He looks at life from a perspective of eternity, of which physical life as we know it is but a dot, is but a blimp. And so the timeline of eternity is infinite. And so our 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we spend on this earth is only a small, tiny fraction of the timeline of eternity. And so from his perspective, in my opinion, he has a, um, a, 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 an importance that is placed 
on the entirety of your life, which includes eternity. We don't have that perspective. So what we see as tragic, he may just see as just a non-event, you know? And so uh, I have to believe that this boy is somehow blessed in his eternal state. I, you know, I don't know. And so anyway, if we go on, uh, it says in verse 16, uh, he will give up Israel because of Jeroboam's sins that he committed and caused Israel to commit. And so the Lord is going to do all of this to Israel because of Jeroboam, basically, is what it boils down to. And in verse, uh, verse 20, it says, The length of Jeroboam's reign was 22 years. He rested with his fathers, and his son uh, Nadab became king in his place. In verse 21, now Rehoboam, let's drop down to the southern kingdom. Now Rehoboam, uh, uh, Solomon's son, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Judah. Verse 22, Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They provoked him to jealous anger more than uh, all their ancestors had done with the sins they committed. And so like Rehoboam, or like Jeroboam, Rehoboam was doing the same thing in the south that Jeroboam was doing in the north. And it says in verse 24, there were even male cult prostitutes in the land. They imitated all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had deposed before the Israelites. And so they were doing all of the same things that the Lord had warned them not to do. In verse 25, in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, uh, King Shishak of Egypt went to war against Jerusalem. He seized the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the royal palace. He took everything. He took all the gold shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them. And, uh, and so we see here, now remember, gold was so plentiful in Solomon's day. You know, that silver was, was, was useless, was valueless. And so uh, he goes, to, and they had peace on all sides. But because they departed from the ways of the Lord, now war is starting to come. And so we see they go to war with, the, with Egypt, and the king of Egypt depletes the treasury of all his gold. You know, and so now Israel, that was once you know, incredibly rich, is now split into two kingdoms, and now the, the temple is, is raided. And it says here in verse 30, uh, there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, and Jeroboam throughout their reigns. Uh, Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried with his father uh, in the city of David. And then his son uh, Abijam, uh, Abijam, I should say, <laughs> became king in his place. And so, so Abijam becomes king in his place uh, after uh, Rehoboam dies. And we see now that, 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 that Israel's besieged in war. You know, they're, they're having their riches depleted and they're fighting with each other, they're fighting with other people. They're, it's just a mess because they departed from the ways of the Lord. And so we go on to chapter 15. And it says, uh, Abijam, uh, Abijam, I should say, Abijam became king over Judah. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. He only reigned for three years. And verse 3, Abijam walked uh, in all the sins of his father, Oh, let's see. Abijam walked in all the sins his father before him had committed. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God and his ancestor David had been. But for the sake of David, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up his son after him and by preserving Jerusalem. And so Abijam, or Abijam was evil. He was an evil king in the southern kingdom. 
And, and, and so, but the Lord wasn't going to rip apart uh, uh, the house of David, of which Abijam was a part, but the Lord is saying, you know, your son, that's the one. And so uh, in verse 8, Abijam rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa, or Asa, became king in his place. So Asa is now the king, uh, the son of Abijam, and he's the one that is going to be a righteous king. And it says, um, uh, Asa became king in Judah, and he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. Asa did what, what was right in the Lord's sight, as his ancestor David had done. He banished the male cult prostitutes from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. He also removed his grandmother, Micah, uh, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And so he banished... It says he moved his grandmother from being queen mother because she was worshiping foreign idols. He wasn't playing. Asa was not playing. And verse 16, it says there was war between Asa and King Basha of Israel throughout their reigns. And so Asa, the king of the south, and Basha, who had become king of the north, you know, they fought throughout their reigns. And so we see this is an ongoing thing uh, between the north and the south for a long time. <clears throat> and it says in verse 24, then Asa rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of uh, his ancestor David. His son Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoshaphat became king in his place. And then we go to uh, verse 25. Now we're going to bounce back to the northern kingdom and give some history with regard to the success of kings in the north. And so it says, Nadab, son of Jeroboam, Jeroboam became king over Israel in his second year, in the second year of Judah's king Asa, he reigned over Israel two years. Nadab did was uh, uh, Nadab did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and walked in the ways of his father. And the sin had caused Israel, uh, and walked in the sins of his father, that uh, he had caused Israel to commit. In verse twenty-seven, then Basha, son of Abijah. Um, of the house of Issachar conspired against Nadab, and Basha struck him down at um, Gibbethon of the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel were besieging uh, Gibbethon. And so what appears to have happened was that that they were fighting against a, a foreign foe, and then what happens is Nadab is struck down by Basha while they're fighting. That's that's cold. You're fighting against the enemy, you know, and one of your own kills you. So one of their own killed the king. And it says in verse 28, in the third year of Judah's king Asa, Basha killed Nadab and reigned in his place. When Basha became king, he struck down the entire house of Jeroboam. He did not leave Jeroboam any survivors, but destroyed his family according to the word of the Lord uh, that was spoken through the servant Ahijah. Uh, the the Shilohite, the Shilonite, the the Shilonite, and so the word the word of the Lord came to him and said the entire house of Jeroboam was going to get struck down because of Jeroboam's evil, and so Basha is basically here without knowing it, carrying out the word of the Lord, and so he eliminated the house of Jeroboam. It says in verse thirty, this was because Jeroboam had angered the Lord of Israel by the sins he had committed and had caused Israel to commit, and so. You know, and so Jeroboam made these decisions and the rest of Israel followed. And so they all suffered. It just, again, highlights not only what uh, the consequences that we may personally have to endure for our own decisions, 
but how those decisions can in fact affect other people. And so in verse 33, we see that in the third year of Judah's king Asa, Basha, son of uh, Ahijah, became king over all Israel. He reigned in Tirzah 24 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of Jeroboam and the sin he had caused Israel to commit. And so Basha followed the same exact trend. And so tomorrow we will pick up in chapter 16 and see how this trend in the north continues on. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.